0: Good morning, church. It's so good to be with you this morning. Um, for those that don't know, my name is Darren Reese, and I'm the preaching minister here, and this is my second Sunday to preach. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and make a promise now that you're going to do that two years from now as well, okay? Every time. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, well, I do want to say, just mention, I'm not going to mention every time somebody comes to visit us, but I do want to mention my dad and stepmom are here this morning. Um, don't give them a round of applause. No, I'm kidding. Give them a round of Yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, I, I do want to know my dad is going to be rushed out of here as soon as worship's over so that you can't hear any stories about me growing up, so um, <laughs> we don't want any dirt uh, getting out there. Well, we are... In the second Sunday of Advent, right now, this time of waiting with expectation for the coming of our Lord. I love this season where we get to wait, but not just wait, we get to hope that Christ is coming. And so we are in a series right now on Advent from Luke, and so we're going to be in Luke 1 today to hear a word from the Lord as we wait with hope and expectation. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful to be gathered together this morning with your people here in Belton but also with your people around the world who this morning together wait with expectation for the coming of our Lord. And now may you open up our ears to hear your word this morning to form us to be your people through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 24. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor. And taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. The Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So I, I got to tell you a story real quick. Uh, a few months ago, when I was still working at, at ACU, um, we were having a staff birthday party. Um, and we were gathered there eating cake, had some staff, had some student workers, were laughing, having a good time. And we start commenting on, you know, people's age. And I notice, uh, I think I might be the oldest person here. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm 45, just so you know. Um, this is important for this story. Um, and, I, and we start talking about age, and, and somebody says, how old are you, Darren? And I was like, I don't know. And I turned to one of the student workers, and I said, how old do you think I am? I don't know. I was like, "Guess." Yeah. She goes, nope, nope, not going to do that. Um, and uh, I said, no, seriously, I said, how how old do you think I am? She kind of looks. I said, okay, seriously, you cannot offend me. I I do not get offended. You cannot offend me, okay? Just just guess, how old do you think I am? And she said, 58? Okay, so maybe I can be offended. A little bit. Just a little bit. Um, I mean, look. I don't know where in the world she could possibly get the idea that I'm older than I am. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. Okay, maybe I didn't, I shouldn't ask her to guess. I don't. You know, it's one of those things, I should have known she would be honest, and she hasn't quite picked up on this whole, you don't have to be honest when you talk about people's ages, right? Well, it's funny, because... Zechariah here in this story actually, he gets this whole you don't have to always be honest about age. Notice how he talks about age in the story. He says, I am an old man, and she, my wife, is well along in years. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a seasoned veterans move right there, you know? Um, As opposed to Luke, who, who writes about Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were both very old. I'm guessing Luke isn't married um, or ever had a second date um, or anything. Um, so, so we know Elizabeth here is somewhere between well along in years and very old. What else do we know about Elizabeth? Well, we know she's a descendant of Aaron, meaning she is in the priestly lineage She's married to Zechariah, a priest. She has no children. And Luke says she is unable to conceive. He says she's righteous and observes the Lord's commands blamelessly. Let's see, what else? We know that she's related to Mary. And she lives in a small rural town in Judea. And she's a woman living in the first century. Now, I don't think we can gloss over that last detail too quickly. I think it actually sheds a lot of light on this short story we have about Elizabeth and Mary. You see, in this culture that Elizabeth finds herself, honor and reputation are of the utmost importance. Knowing your place in the social hierarchy is critical. And Elizabeth is in this weird place of tension with her social and political standing. See, on one side, she's married, and she's married to a priest, and she's righteous, she's a good Jewish citizen. She's a woman. And in her context, women do not have equal honor, status, or rights as men. And you pick up on this also when you read about when Mary comes to visit, right? You notice that Luke records that Mary came to visit Elizabeth and it was Zechariah's home that she entered, not Elizabeth's. And her social standing is also affected by the fact that she is, according to Luke, unable to conceive. A big part of a woman's reputation is based upon her role as mother and caretaker. Not having children is a ding on a woman's honor. And so now that we know all of this about Elizabeth, we're not surprised that when she gets pregnant, she then proclaims with joy and relief that the Lord has, quote, shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Disgrace. It's an interesting word to use there. There there are other Greek words in the New Testament that are used that mean things like shame or dishonor. They get used a lot. Words that connote a a sense of humiliation, a sense of unworthiness. But she uses a different word here. In fact, this is the only time in the entire New Testament this word gets used. And this word has a sharper edge to it. It means something closer to reproach. It means that others look upon her with disappointment, or disapproval for what she has done. It means she is to blame. I think a good parallel here is the way Job's friends treat him after he loses, uh, loses everything. They come to him with pity, but they also come with accusation, disappointment, with shame. They assume he's done something wrong that has brought upon this disgraceful condition he now faces. They blame him for his misfortune. It seems that Elizabeth is facing similar treatment. I mean, picture it. There she is in her small rural town, the kind of place where everyone knows everyone, and you run into everyone every day. And they all know. She has to be tired of the stares and of the the sneers, of the turned-up noses. So Interestingly, note that here, Luke tells us that after Elizabeth learns she's pregnant, she goes into seclusion for five months. It's kind of a weird detail. Luke doesn't tell us why. We can only guess. But I wonder... If she goes into seclusion for five months because she can't tolerate one more side eye. So she hides until she can walk out showing. Showing the world what God has done. Showing the world her honor. Let's add one more layer to Elizabeth's story. Why is it that Elizabeth is the one disgraced? the one to blame in this situation. Why isn't Zechariah? Well, it seems obvious. I mean, Luke writes, they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. It is her fault. Yet this is the first century, and I can't help but ask, how could they possibly know that it was because of Elizabeth? How'd they know it wasn't because of Zechariah? I mean, they didn't have the medical and scientific capabilities to know that it was due to Elizabeth. They assumed. I wonder if uh, the angel Gabriel is pointing this out when he says later in verse 36, he says to Mary, referring to Elizabeth, she who was said to be unable to conceive. They assumed because she is the woman. And so they blamed her, and they shamed her. This story is a reminder how rough the world can be sometimes, isn't it? The way the world can find a way to shame us, the way the world assumes and shuns and blames and puts down... Now, of course, sometimes we join the world in the shunning and the blaming, but that's a sermon for another day. Um, My guess is we've all felt like Elizabeth at some point, for some reason. The world makes us feel unworthy, ashamed, disgraced, but, and this is a really important but here. But when God shows up, God looks upon us with favor. Amen. When God shows up, he shows up with grace. Amen. Like last week with Zechariah, there's an interesting parallel and paradox between the back-to-back stories of Elizabeth and Mary. So what do we know about Mary? Mary. Well, Mary is similarly from a small town. Based upon the cultural norms of the day, we know that she's a young teenager. We'll call it 15 or so. She's a virgin, and she's pledged to Joseph. She is not yet, but soon, to be married. And she finds herself pregnant. here comes the disgrace the shame the blame in that culture to show up pregnant before marriage brought dishonor to her family to her fiance to herself i mean we pick up on this when in matthew's account of this when joseph says that he did not want to expose her to public disgrace here's the parallel with elizabeth When God acts, when God shows up, God comes with grace. Notice the greeting between Gabriel and Mary from Luke. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now, it's hard to capture in English here, but this greeting is, is a play on words. Um, it's two words, okay? The first word, the root of the word that we, that we translate to greetings, is actually, the root is joy. And the second is a verb, and with the, the root of that word is grace. But it's a verb, so it means something like to make graceful. So we might translate this as Joyful greetings, you who are made graceful. And then the angel says, do not be afraid. You have found favor, or literally, you have found grace with God. So the parallel between Elizabeth and Mary is that both of these women feel the world's shame and blame and disgrace, but God shows up. And when God greets them, he greets them with grace. And the result is joy. Mary will soon sing, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And Elizabeth proclaims, the baby in my womb leaps for joy. Luke points out that her neighbors and relatives shared her joy. When God greets with grace, joy comes with it. All right, now I got to do a little aside here, okay? I'm going to do one of these annoying preacher things where, have you ever had it where a preacher like picks out a song that you sing in church and then like critiques the lyrics? And then after that, you're like, well, can I like this song anymore? I mean, he talked about it this way. I remember somebody did this. I like the song, have you heard the song Reckless Love? All right, I had a, a preacher one time kind of critique that. He said, God's love isn't reckless. It's intentional. And I was like, okay, good point. But I like that song. But can I like this song now? Ah, i am torment it. All right, these annoying preachers. Well, I'm not going to do that with a song. I would not dare. Thurman can stop sweating now. I'm not going to ruin a song. But I am going to critique, if you will, for a second, a phrase that's very popular these days, and that is, choose joy. You heard this? Choose joy. On the one hand, I like it. But on the other hand... Uh, it's problematic. I mean, for anybody who's been in dark times, been in the pit, you can't just choose joy. You can't just will yourself for joy. Do you know what you can do? Is you can choose to receive God's grace and then joy will soon follow. So just to be clear, when you go home today, for some of you, and you look in and you see the Hobby Lobby sign that says, choose joy, don't take it down, it's fine, okay? Um, Don't do that. But just when you see it, think, oh yeah, choose grace and joy will follow. It's just shorthand for that, okay? Choose to accept grace and joy will follow. So there's the parallel. What's the paradox in this story? Well, is that Elizabeth, to no fault of her own, to no fault of her own, to no fault of her own, suffers from the disgrace among the people. And then God shows up. And then God greets her with Grace. Disgrace than God's grace. But Mary, her story actually goes in the opposite direction. God greets her with grace, and then she's met with the world's disgrace. And somehow, both of these are true for them, and I think they're both true for us. We're all Elizabeth. We all experience the shame and the shunning the world has to offer. At some time, or at least to some degree, and it might come from that table across the cafeteria. It might come from the lack of likes on social media. Or it might come because you can't afford what others can, or your job, or your education level, or your criminal record or your sexual history, or your gender, or but when the world wants, to, wants you to feel disgrace, God shows up and greets you with grace. And other times, we hear the call to be merry in this world, the call to join God in bringing the Christ into this world. Even when it leads to the world responding with disgrace. When a world just doesn't understand. When it leads to being cast out because there is no room in the inn. When it leads to touching lepers, those the world has shunned and deemed untouchable. When it leads to prostitutes washing your feet with their hair while the rest of the table looks upon you with disdain. When it leads to being shamed And blamed and left to hang on a cross. The world can be rough on us sometimes, can't it? But whether you are feeling the disgrace of the world and long for some joy, or whether you are answering the call to enter into the shame of this world, know without a doubt that the shame and disgrace comes from this world they are not from god because when god shows up when god greets you it is always a greeting with grace